Welcome to Candid Christian Conversations, a show that challenges you to dive deep into the Word of God in order to discern today's most challenging subjects. This time on Candid Christian Conversations, many of us Christians are in a race to find our significant other. But have we cleared a specific hurdle that could potentially be holding us back? Are we ready for an actual relationship in the way God has intended for us? That's our topic on this edition of Candid Christian Conversations. Hello, I'm Hank Davis from StandFirmMedia.com, and I'm joined by Edmund to discuss relationships, getting ready for that significant other. Edmund, thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you for having me. Let's jump right into the topic, shall we? Let's go. Is our desire to be in a relationship derived from our flesh or from our spirit? Well, for me, I feel both as human beings, we all want some type of relationship. In the Bible, Genesis clearly tells us, chapter 2, verse 18, that the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make him and help me. That's straight out the King James Version. Or can we look at Proverbs 18, 22, who shall find a wife, find it a good thing. That's aimed his favor from the Lord. So it's both to me. Okay. Maybe a combination of both, but not necessarily a negative thing when we say flesh. Exactly. I was going to point to Genesis 2.24. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one. What? Flesh. Because we're human beings. All right. I think you made some excellent points. You pointed to some great scriptures and therefore we're seeing the overarching theme of there's nothing wrong with that desire. That is an innate desire within us that we should be trying to head towards this direction. Exactly. What does a relationship look like from your own personal perspective as opposed to God's desire for us? For me, it depends on what you think a relationship is, because there's different forms of relationships. There can be a relationship where two people come together and they're trying to build on one another. And it can be a one sided relationship where one person is in it, but not really there. So it all depends on the people and how they view a relationship. Because one thing I feel like as far as relationships are concerned, that people miss the fact that there is relationship. There has to be relation between two people to become one. And that's something that needs to be built upon versus just something you just jump in. I agree with you 100%. I go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That's a high watermark there. And how many men out there are loving their wives in that manner? That's such a high watermark. And I've tried to explain this to women who I have pursued in the past, and they don't see it that way if they're not part of the church. There's this church relationship, and then there's the worldly relationship. And a lot of women don't understand that when you love like Christ loved the church, that means you have this unconditional love. And that's something that a lot of people don't know how to display or give off when they're in a relationship. Unconditional love means that I love you despite anything. I'm going to always be there. And that's something to me, that's something that's hard for people to do. It is very hard. 
you have to be selfless. And in a lot of relationships, we're all just selfish. And that is the problem, ultimately. And I agree because speaking for myself, I'm a man who was married for 13 years, divorced. And I can openly admit that I was very selfish as first years of my marriage because I didn't know what I was in. And once I started to learn about relationships and learn what it was to be in a marriage, I started becoming more involved and giving more. But at that particular time, my my wife at the time, her mind was completely done because the selfishness is such a nasty disease within a relationship. It can destroy everything very quickly. I would agree with that. If our relationship model in our head doesn't fit God's word, why are we surprised when we still don't have what we desire? For this, to me, I turn to Galatians 5, 13, and it says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. It really makes me think about how a relationship should be and in any type of relationship technically, but definitely more so a husband and a wife where you're there for each other. You have to have that unity, man, especially in a relationship. And we are we're missing that because that's not what we see on a regular basis. We don't see unity. We don't see a man and a wife really being there together. You don't see that anymore. It's very rare to see two people stick it out for the long run and loving one another. And why is that? Is it because the world has changed so much or is it because we've changed the world so much? I think it's because the world doesn't really have a strong respect for the things of God. And as far as the union between man and a woman, you stand before God and you become one. And we see so many celebrities and so many people go through that road of marriage and they give up on it so easily. How many people do you know has been married five, six times? And they have different marriages like every other season is because we don't value the union that we are joining into. So the world has completely changed the, the perception of what a marriage is supposed to be. Let's bring it back to the individual as well here. Is it possible that some points of our walk with God must be carried out apart from a relationship with anyone except him? I think you have to have an understanding of who you are with God before you jump into a relationship. Yeah. And what I mean by that is you have to really be stable within yourself before becoming, trying to become united with someone else. I've personally um, stopped talking to a woman because I began to notice with that. I wasn't really strong in my own walk to be able to put myself in a position with her would hurt her. So I had to step aside so I can continue to build myself up first before I try to try anything with her. That's actually really commendable because a lot of men will not do that. They will not observe themselves honestly. They Instead, they'll just drive forward. Well, you have to understand it's like when I when you get into a relationship, especially as a man, you are trying to become a leader. You're leading as a man. You're supposed to lead. And if I can't lead my family, I can't lead my relationship the way that I've been raised and the way I've learned through the word of God, then I shouldn't be in a relationship because there's, so, there's such a responsibility. And if you're not ready for it, I feel like take a step back. I mean, she wasn't too happy about that, but I didn't cut the line of communication. I just cut 
the growth of a relationship into something that I'm not ready for and that could potentially hurt her. What are some reasons why you think that God might not bring that special someone into our lives at the time we are praying for it to happen? Because I I think we've all been there, any of us that are single, that are hoping for that special someone out there and praying for them to come into our lives. What do you think some reasons might be where God might say, not yet? Look at Exodus 23, thou shalt have no other gods before me. In most cases, people will have a mindset of thinking that they need someone over their life so strongly that they place their partner over God. And in doing so, they make their partner God of their life. I've seen men and women spend so much energy and time going after someone that is clearly isn't right for them or has the ability to strengthen them like God. It's like a kid getting a toy. You know, he gets a toy, he plays with it, but then he gets to that point where this toy means everything to him. And he neglects all his other responsibilities. When we get to that certain point, God will present someone to our life. And in a lot of cases, it might be not, it might be someone who we not feel is what we want, but it's someone who can strengthen us. What factors do you take into consideration when you're looking for a significant other? I look for someone I can be able to communicate with. I look for someone who has patience, someone who has shown traits of strong loyalty and someone who has been through something because relationship changes like the seasons. And if you haven't really been through anything, when the fire hits, you're going to jump. I need someone to be able to stand there and weather the storm. And those are all good factors, you know, to be looking for just because they're not simply aesthetics. You know, it's not somebody with this type of hairstyle and and this type of height and this type of weight and stuff like that. That's good that you're not focused on things that are just fleshly and visible only. What factors do you believe God takes into consideration when pairing us with a potential wife, you know, or if you're a woman, a husband? I would think that he would want us with someone that will, it's going to sound like really churchy, but someone that will build his church. He would want a family that will continue on the work that he will have us do here on earth versus us getting with someone who will just cause more pain and destruction. God will want us to be with a woman who can strengthen us with our abilities, strengthen us in spiritual wise and build our minds up versus getting with someone who you might have sex with, create children. The relationship doesn't work. Now you have uh, children in um, separate homes and that affects the whole community when stuff like that happens. So I think he will want someone want us with someone who would build his church and continue on the work he would have us to do. And in this day and age, it really seems extremely challenging to find some of these characteristics that we've touched on a little bit and that are in the Bible. If we could go to Ephesians 22, 23, and 24, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. I think a lot of times when we're looking for someone as men, I even know women in the church that don't like this style of conversation, you know, this, this style of structure in the marriage. So should be concerning to all of us because we're not really just supposed to be 
picking and choosing what we want to follow. Exactly. I think the biggest word that has caused so much issue is the word submit. And a lot of women that I've talked to, they'll be the first one to tell you, I'm not submitting to no man. And I look at them like, wow, you do realize when you get into a relationship with a man, he has to be the lead. Well, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. And clearly these women that I've spoken to that have had that thinking are single or they've had relationships that don't last very long. I don't care how we feel or what we think, no matter what we do, the design that God has for us is the design that works. But when we choose to go against that design, that's when the problems pop up. And I feel like when women say they don't want to submit, they miss the whole idea of what God is saying. And to me, he's saying you're supposed to come together as one. It doesn't just fall in with women. It falls in as the unit itself, because when she submits to me, I submit to my responsibilities to her. And when we do that, we're operating as one. I love that. And we already touched on earlier what a man's love for his wife is supposed to be. That's a huge high water mark to try to achieve. And with that being said, if people would look at that in totality and if the man is doing that, where would the error be in the relationship? Because if a man is loving his wife as Christ loves the church, or at least, you know, trying to reach that level. I mean, that's astonishing to me. So I think of that. And then uh, I dated a secular woman. That was my last relationship, which I personally don't think that you're going to have success in that. But I have been proven wrong in the past. Like my, my mother had more Christian values. And then my dad came around. So if she would have never married him where he was at, then I wouldn't be here. So sometimes he's going to fix you down the road. God will fix you in the appointed time. So I don't just say, hey, don't date a secular woman, because it's not just secular women that, that have issues with some of these standards that God has set. And it's not just women in general, men too. Sometimes we're looking for the wrong items Instead of looking internally, we're looking externally in some situations and such. It brings me to the next question is, why does God allow us to pursue and even marry people who are not right for us? I relate that to when uh, even coming to God, because God doesn't force us to do anything. He gives us a free will. And with that being said, he gives us the opportunity to say, okay, if you want to choose this person, that's your choice. But if you research my word, if you listen to me, if you pray to me and follow what I have been trying to tell you through different avenues, you will see that person isn't right for you. But if you choose to go that route, that's your choice. And I feel like that's the problem with a lot of things. We're not listening when God gives us direction when it comes to dating someone. We just do it. You know, sometimes I think it falls back to things that we've discussed already where we are potentially looking for the wrong portions of things, you know, like we might want somebody who we think is closer to a finished work than, than they are to just starting out and stuff. There's, there's just so many different nuances 
in a relationship that can impact us where we'll say, well, that person's not this or they're not that. And if you were to work with them and and confide in them and have honest conversations with them, maybe they will become that person that is whatever you think is lacking, as long as it falls inside the word of God, of course. But I think a lot of the superficial things are what, even as Christians, what we can get hung up on. I do believe that. Well, in the world, it was I need to find a woman that got long hair. She got to be curvy. She got to have this. She got to have that. And when I sit back and look at it, I spoke on all the physical traits of a woman, not the mental, not the spiritual. It was like, because men, we are visual creatures. So we like what we see before we go in, try to discover, okay, let me see how many years is on this car or different things of that nature. And when we do that, we go off what we see and not, the in-depths of the woman, we set ourselves up. And a lot of men have done that plenty of times. It's, she was beautiful. The makeup was on point. I mean, the makeup wash off, you find out you have a beast and it's a beast that's destroying every part of your lives, even spiritually. That's why I feel like I'm even trying this now, building myself up with God praying, seeking his voice on my next relationship and not trying to rush into the, anything too fast because I've been presented with some some beauties that I found out were beast. And I'm thankful that I listened and let them go. That is terrific <laughs> because sometimes we don't listen. And that's the problem is that rebellious spirit sometimes, you know, takes hold and we end up doing things that we regret later on. Exactly. How do you truly know when God has brought someone into your life? Wow. When I find out, I will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just applying this to a man and a woman relationship. I'm applying this to friendships. And a lot of times it will be that lightning bolt moment where you're going through a specific season and whomever it is that is been brought into your life is there to help you and they they might just disappear after that and i think it's hard to reconcile that in our own minds but when you really really distill it down you can see the fingerprints of god all over stuff like that because you're like wow i, I was going through x and he brought me this person who just so happens to be able to help me get through that situation and I have always been fascinated by that because sometimes you'll never see that person again or you'll never interact with them again or they go on and do something else or, or what have you. And you're like, man, it was just for that season of my life. Interesting. That I could actually agree with because I feel like my last girlfriend, I feel like she was only supposed to be here with me for a season. And after that season, we don't speak anymore. It's like, she went her way. She's in a new relationship now. She looks happy and everything. I'm happy for her with that. But it's like our time was over. Because of her, I was able to keep my job. I was able to get a new vehicle. It was actually her connect that allowed me to get my new vehicle. It's like all these things picked up. But then it was like it was time for our relationship to come to an end. And you just feel the release like 
okay, she's gone that way. I'm going this way. And it's like, we have no reason to ever speak again now. And it's interesting that situations arise like that. And then in many cases, there are no hard feelings. You know, people go their separate directions, whether it's just a, a regular friendship or whether it was something that was budding into a relationship and, and you just go about your business. Yeah. This one's kind of a toughie. Do you ever think that sometimes many of us are not meant to marry or remarry? Do you ever think that's an actual uh, situation that God has approved, you know, that, you know, so-and-so was never going to get married? I would hope not because, I mean, you want to see everybody happy if they choose to want to go down the road of marriage and relationships. But there are some people you can look at and say, you know what? You're not really fit for this whole marriage relationship thing because of your selfishness. Like you care about you and only you and what you want. So I don't see how you can be in a relationship with someone who right, who may require your time, your energy and prayers. And you're not willing to give that up. So it always seems to come back to ourself as far as are we going to be selfless or are we just going to be stuck on selfish? Exactly. Because in relation, you have to give. You have to give your time. I mean, you wouldn't believe how much a good morning text or call means to a woman. My, uh, I spoke about my last relationship. It was like, I send good morning. If I say good, say good night or anything, it's like it meant so much. And then times that I missed it, the anger was like, well, you didn't wake up. You didn't consider seeing if I was awake by sending me a good morning. It's like different arguments. And then it, I sat back and looked at it. It was like, all this could have been avoided if I just sent you a good morning text. And it's like, you know what? If that means so much to you, that's something I can give. This one's really going to be a challenging one because we're, we're going to use absolute honesty on this podcast. I, I don't want to create a podcast that just echoes everything that that we talk about in church. I want to talk about what are those things we're not talking about in church as far as we're not dialing into and being honest about totally. And this is one that I think falls under that because if you were to go the rest of your life without finding that special woman and you, and you feel that frustration of, you know, why not me? Why can't I have this wife? Why can't I find this person? Would that affect your relationship with the Lord? Yes, it will. And the reason I say it will is because if I can't find that person, if I can't find that relationship, I'm going to dial into other avenues that could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be just random sex with women who are available. And the reason why that will affect my relationship with God, because those things will take my eyes off of God, because if I'm not getting fed here, I'm going to go somewhere else and eat. Yeah, I appreciate you being honest on that, you know, because there's this veil of, well, we're just doing the right thing and stuff. Yeah, everywhere you look, pornography is through the roof. And who's consuming this? It's not just secular people consuming that. We have seen accounts over and over and over and over again where church leaders are, and that's a whole different discussion on. Well, are they truly this or are they truly that? That's a whole different discussion. But people who are identifying as Christian are consuming alcohol and drugs and pornography and prostitution, all these different 
avenues, as you stated, and we're not addressing that because, as you said, if you're not being filled somewhere, you're going to fill up with other things that most likely could be harmful, could be uh, violent movies and violent this and, you know, all these different things that we're not really meant to partake in. Like I said, mentioned before, like I was divorced of a divorced man. Now think about this for a second. I was a married man who was having sex with his wife on a regular basis. Now I'm divorced and now you're telling me that I can't have sex anymore. So that act that was fulfilling for me, that allowed me to relax, allowed me to release some stress, I can't do anymore because now I'm no longer married. So that caused so much frustration. That caught, led me to, um, I was one of the ones that was looking at pornography. Looking at pornography, I you know, couldn't sleep, so I used to drink. I needed something to ease my mind, so I started smoking for a minute. I was doing all these things to escape the fact that I was lacking in a particular area. And I feel like that's one thing that people aren't really addressing when it comes to churches, that you have single people in your church. Not every church member is a part of a family. The older you get as a man, the older you get as a woman, you seek some type of feeling, whether it be relationship or just even closer to God, but you seeking something. And if that hunger isn't being fed, the temptation of sin, the temptation of something that's bad for you is always there for you to get. It's easy to get. You can now look at porn on your phone. You can look at porn on your tablets, your computers. I had to um, watch my kids Xbox because you can look at it through there. It's everywhere. Anytime you're not being filled up in one area, there's always an avenue to get filled up somewhere else. The struggle is real and people inside solid relationships seem to be blind to that struggle. And it's something that you've got to help your fellow brothers and sisters navigate if you're able to. Exactly. Candid Christian Conversations is a Stand Firm Media production. How do you go about asking God for the things you want in life? So if you are just set that you want a wife, how would you go about asking God for that? See, by me being a parent, I know for a fact that you can't go to your father or your mother if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. So when I ask God for different things, I know that I need to get right mentally first. So I need to get right. So it's like so I can present him with a application of I'm trying before I ask for something, because I feel like sometimes we get to this mindset that God is like this genie that's going to re- answer all your requests whenever you ask him. And I think he, in a certain way he does do that. But I feel like for me personally, I have to do I have to get myself right before I go to him for certain things. That's what led to me to not speaking with the um the woman I talk, told you about is that I want to make sure when I go to God and I ask him for that wife that I can present to him not a perfect vessel, but a vessel that's trying to be as good as he can. So, Lord, if it's your will, bless me with a woman. I try to end all my prayers with essentially what you just said. I'll ask for certain things and then I will end it with saying, but nonetheless, your will be done, Lord. Not mine, yours, you know, just so it's clear that I'm understanding that I might be asking for something that falls outside of that. 
you know, and if I am, then that's my apology of like, you know, I'm still going to follow because that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to serve. I'm not here to just make all the demands and and get everything I think I'm supposed to get. I think it's that clarity you have to have when you're praying for things, you know? And also, I believe I had heard a great term a long time ago, and I cannot remember if it was uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin or, or if it was someone else, but the term was like, pray with your feet. So like, pray with action. You make your prayer, but you're also making your moves too. And I'm a really strong proponent in that, that you don't just lay on the couch and, and make your prayers. You know, I want this better job, but I'm never going to look for one. Or I want this wife, but I'm not going to look for one. You know, <laughs> I think you've got to also be in action when you're asking for things. I think that helps too. The word action is powerful to me. It always bothered me when people be like, hey, Ed, man, just want to let you know I love you, bro. And I look at him like, okay, I hear your words, but I don't see that love in action at all. You just come up and say, hey, bro, I love you. But where's the action behind it? Where's the active love that you have for me? When you show that active love for someone, you you see it, you feel it. Because I can say I love you all day and keep going. That's what caused so much heartbreak is that people just want to hear someone say that I love you. But then when they don't see the action behind it, that's what hurts them because action is very powerful. It is. We're getting down to the end here. What would you say to people who are listening that are struggling to find that special someone? Let me, let me read this out. First uh, Corinthians 7 verses 27 through 31. Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. But, and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possess not, and they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. So in there, there's a lot of good nuggets in there. And, you know, it's, it just ultimately comes back to, can you be fulfilled right where you're at? You know, both of us have been, I don't mean to speak out of turn, but both of us have been in situations where we were financially strapped, you know, uh, and I, I will say from my own personal experience, below standards of being financially strapped, where you're like, where, where's the next bill payment coming from? And in those moments, if you can find that clarity that all of this is going to pass away, though you might get an eviction notice or what have you, that is going to be in the rearview mirror someday and never return. And what a waste of your time and your, your energy did you spend on lamenting over that certain situation. And that's the part that I think even here. So if you have a wife, treasure, love her. Or if you're a woman and you have a husband, 
just absolutely love them. And if you don't, you still can be happy. You can still find that joy in life because ultimately, whether you do or you don't, this is going away and you ain't going to be married in heaven. I just think sometimes we lack that overarching, and I'm speaking for myself, clarity on what is transpiring here on earth. Wow. That, I mean, that was beautifully said, bro, for real. <laughs> it's one thing that really hurts right now, and especially seeing people going through this whole quarantine, is that a lot of relationships I'm seeing, people are ending their relationships. Because then now you had you were put in a position where you had to spend time with your spouse. They're not going to work. They're at home. You got to talk to them. And they're ending their relationships. And it bothers me because you have so much. You have such a big opportunity with your spouse to create something amazing. Um, you're creating families. You're creating memories. I mean, those are things that as a single man, and I'm speaking for myself, that I wish I can be a part of right now. And when I mentally and spiritually get myself ready for it, that's something I'm going to aim for. Love that. Well, we've had a great conversation, but I'm going to open the floor up one last time. Edmund, any final thoughts overall? Brothers and sisters, they listen to this. You are not alone. We all have the same type of questions that need to be answered. And Hank has started a platform that I'm praying that we answer your questions and help you guys out. Because there are a lot of things that need to be addressed that aren't being addressed because people are too concerned about their character or too concerned about losing members or too concerned about not looking a certain way. I think it's time for those days to be over and it's time to make real conversation within our church walls again. One of the reasons I started this podcast is because I have a lot of secular friends and the one thing consistent, repetitive thing I hear is they think we as Christians believe we're perfect and that we, we stand above and, and all these other things that just are not factual. You could see the, the facial uh, contortion when I told a woman, I didn't become a Christian because I'm perfect. I became a Christian because I need to be perfected. And she looked at me like, she had never heard that before. Like, I know I'm weak. That's why I'm leaning on the most powerful being in the universe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I have to lean on God. Right. Because I'm not enough. If I were enough, you know, I wouldn't have all these, these uh, you know, fears and concerns and cares and worries and all these things. So I'm leaning on God for these things because I, I'm not enough. And just to see them react to that, they need to see a model of people seeking God, not I'm, you know, following pastor so-and-so and he's just so perfect and stuff. Because none of us, none of us by works are getting to heaven, period. And that misconception out there that we're just these perfect beings that are just so far set apart is just, it's ridiculous because God can pull anyone from anywhere and bring them to him, period. We may look at someone and go, ooh, that's an awful human being. And God may look at them and say, they are going to do great things. I, and at the end of their life, he may say, this is so-and-so who I am well pleased with. 
You know what I'm saying? And, and uh, we've got to take those filters off in our own life. Right. Where we're just sitting back judging everything we see and everybody we see. And instead of doing that, if we kind of lift the curtain and people understand that we face all these struggles and all these various persecutions, I think you get a lot further with honesty than you do with this perception of we're over here, you're over there. Right. And my mom was the best example. She, she's been passed away for a long time, but she was the best example of leaving the light on. Some of my siblings, uh, you know, in their past, just heinous things they've, they've done. And she would always leave the light on for them. Always, always leave the door cracked for them. And I used to think to myself, like, why are you wasting your time and your energy on this seemingly awful human being, <laughs> you know, because I, I wasn't Christian at the time. I was just like, this person, I'm done with them. You know, I'm washing my hands with them. And she taught me to not do that, to you've got to pray for their redemption story. Wow. If I've learned anything from being the youngest of 11, it is that all of us have the opportunity to live out a redemption story in the real world. And, and it's just all about humbling yourself, putting your faith in God, and putting God first in your life. And boy, what a, just a wonderful woman. But without God, she would fall short as well. So we, we got to make it more about God and less about all of us. Amen. Amen, man. I agree. All right, that is going to do it for our conversation this time on Candid Christian Conversations. On the next episode of Candid Christian Conversations, we're going to talk about sports. In the United States, Sunday is the day many Americans and their families head to church. However, some Christians dedicate their Sundays to professional sports, rearranging their worship to fit their fandom. Is Sunday a day to praise God, or is it God bless our sports team? That's going to be our topic on the next edition of Candid Christian Conversations. For Edmund, I'm Hank. And until the next time, we're signing off. See you guys later. Have a blessed day. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to subscribe in your app of choice by heading to standfirmmedia.com slash subscribe.